Welcome to Carney Pie. I'm John Brandt. Tony Purvis. Tony. It's been a while. Has it though? Because time doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. It's a construct <laughs> created by your ancestors to decide what to do with the sun <laughs> and to take control over the sun. <laughs> the sun had control first. And so, we're like, I'm going to show you sun. So we're already going odd on this on this network. Huh? Is there any? <laughs> this is the network. Now. I didn't know what else like show. I didn't know what to call it right there. I, I panicked. No, and then we never I just went with it. You go with banter at the beginning. Dr- mm. what, what was the word we had going earlier? What was it? Druthers. 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 <coughs> That's Can I the use name. It there? It's probably going to end up being the name of the podcast is Druthers. But we're here for another episode of Carney Pie. We're going to learn about Carney. What's great about Carney? What we love about this community. And I am so excited about this show. We have some amazing stories, some amazing storytellers here today. Uh, did I hype that okay? Yeah, I'm, I just wish one of them would have showed up on time. But <laughs> Okay, Here, here's a little quiz. I know time doesn't exist, but we're still going to go there. Time, time did exist. So uh, we're going to listen to these people. We're not going to give the answer about who was late. And then at the end, you can email and you can say, I bet that person was late. And then we'll say, maybe, maybe you're right. And maybe they were, you know, booking flights to Burning Man. Mm. Who we knows? Don't know. We, we don't know. We're going to figure it out. And uh, we have some first names of some people who are, are, are here today and are around the microphone. To my left is a gentleman named Bill. Bill, can you say hi? Hey. Hey, Bill's on the microphone. Bill, who is to your left? Um, Chase is to my left. Chase. Mm. Can you say hi? Hello there. You just grunted a guttural. <laughs> In recognition. Oh, that's wonderful. And then, uh, so who is to your left, Chase? Um, what was your name again? See, we're on that. <laughs> yep, we've gotten really far. We, we talked about music and we talked about everything else. By the way, I'm Tony. I know, nice you, have, to meet I know you. you have mom issues, Tony, but that's <laughs> yeah. it. We'll get into that later. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is another podcast. That's that's a good times. So, okay, so we're all here around the table. Uh, let's let's start off with this. First of all, do we all love Carney before we get going? Otherwise, we have to kick you out. So much. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody loves Carney. Tony. Oh, absolutely. We all love Carney, and we're here to talk about things. And something about Carney that makes you appreciate Carney even more is sometimes leaving Carney. So I want to mm. I want to think about for a second. Um, you're a child because that's the way these all end up. Um, you're a child. You're young. Bill, to my left, what is the best? summer vacation you went on as a child what what's the one that sticks out in your mind is like that one was good that one was i learned a lot we got closer as a family unit yeah um that that felt that felt like we accomplished something what's the best one you've ever experienced well that's a tough one we uh we went on a lot of trips as a kid i think that uh what i remember most about the trips is uh i um, is the fact that we usually were big. I came from a big family, so we often had to take two cars. And we had a station wagon. And so if you anyone remembers the old time being in a station wagon, that you have that third seat in the back that faces the other direction. And so my sister and I would always be in the third seat. Mm-hmm. And so we'd get a whole different vacation than everybody else going the other direction because they're all seeing it firsthand and we're all seeing it from behind. It's like, hey, how, look at the mountains up ahead. <laughs> how, how, many, how many brothers and sisters did you have? I know we're going to jump the gun on no, personal fine. stuff, but how many are we talking? Well, like, there, were, there was five kids. There were seven of us, but then we often had to take two cars because other people or other family members would be going okay. around or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and Still a good-sized family. Yeah, yeah. And, and my... Uh, 
my wife and I, we have five children, and then uh, we, we often had foster kids, and so we had, like, there times there was eight of us. And so we would, it was kind of the same way with us. We often would have to take two cars. And Did um, you force them to look outside of the back of the yeah, vehicle? I, yeah, I did. You know, Just to get that experience <laughs> to share that. What I remember most about the, 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 the trips, my, my most valuable, most exciting experience of vacation is just being in the car with mm. everyone because we just had one of these cars that was like, um, I mean, this station wagon was probably was about the size of a small aircraft carrier. I mean, they don't nothing yeah. like they make today. I mean, and Bill, I I, I know I wasn't going to talk about your age, but I assume you did not have an iPad in front of you. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. No, in fact, uh, there was. Yeah, I joke about this uh, about our about our uh, station wagon because it didn't have a single cup holder. We're talking about from like 1970. So there's no cup holder in the entire car. Now you have like 13 cup holders. But true. I will tell you that there's not a single cup holder, but there were 16 ashtrays. <laughs> you know, if you're in the third seat, you know, you can smoke in the back, kids, but you can't have a drink you could spill. And so that's what I remember is... You know, the priorities are a little bit different, I think. Yeah, uh, and, and probably also no airbags and no, and no, airbags. no seat belts. No, no, no. So no, smoke no. them if you got them. Um, right. <laughs> no seat belts and look out the back. And you have this vehicle that's really, like I said, it's a, the size of a small ship. And and, uh, and the, the front end of that thing would, I mean, it would really arrive wherever we were going. We went to the World's Fair one year uh, down in New Orleans. We drove all the way down there. And I know the front end of the station wagon arrived about two hours before we did the back. <laughs> How old were you and, when uh, you went to New Orleans? Um, I was in high school at that point. Um, and, uh, but were you was, still in the station wagon? Yeah, we were still in the station wagon. And, that is a and, long uh, drive to New Orleans. Long, long drive, yeah. And... Uh, um, wow. Yeah, so it's crazy. And uh, so, I, are we going to call it World's Fair? As World's your, Fair, yeah, World's Fair is mine. Yep, World's Fair to New Orleans. Chase, you know, I went to uh, Yellowstone as a kid, and Yellowstone blew my mind. I remember watching uh, Land Before Time when it first came out with dinosaurs. We, yeah. Did you ever get the puppets that you could get at oh, Pizza yeah. Hut? Oh yeah. Oh come on, of course. Okay, yeah. sorry. Okay. I was a fanatic. Yeah. Good. So when I saw the tar pits at Yellowstone, I think that was like the most monumental How old experience. Were you? I don't. I don't know. It's probably like eight or nine or something like that. But it the tar pits were crazy. The smell of sulfur and seeing everything that all those dinosaurs died in. Did and Did you it, have uh, siblings? I did. Yeah, I had one sister. And mm-hmm. is she was she with you at the time? Yeah. Yep. Her. She yep. older, younger. Older. Two older. years older. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's at the tar pits with you. Did she enjoy it? Yeah, I think everyone enjoyed it. You know, the most memorable thing beyond the tar pits was a moose running at us. And uh, those moose, things are big. They, you know what? They I didn't. I had no idea they were so aggressive. Mm. They ran and it hit the fence with its uh, antlers. They're like seven foot tall or something crazy. So. Maybe that's why I remember Yellowstone so much. It was like traumatic, scary. Because, yeah. Yeah, I could die like a dinosaur <laughs> or get skewered by a moose. I don't know. That's cool. Tony. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I went on a summer vacation. I'm actually trying to think about this. Might work. Hmm. We'll get back to you, Tony. Yeah, I really don't. Um, well, no, we had, there were six of us. And so we had six kids. Yeah. And we had a 20-year gap top to bottom. And so when I was 10, we had a newborn. Right. And so we just didn't... Didn't go anywhere. I don't remember. Did you go to the pool? I mean, probably. We'll call that summer yeah, vacation. Yeah, let's go with that. I'm like, and I know I did. I just, honestly, I don't remember. Okay. And That's cool. Sad. All right, Bill. <laughs> you went to the World's Fair yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up, uh, well, uh, my dad was in the military, but uh, um, at that point, uh, he had retired and we uh, lived in uh, uh, Omaha. 
And but so, what, but okay. But as you, a child, uh, where'd you grow yeah, up? Yeah, did I you jump up, around a bunch? Yeah, yeah. Lived in Canada for four four years. Lived in South Carolina. Um, lived and uh, my you know before I was born, my folks lived in, in Germany and Tennessee and New Mexico and in uh, Virginia. Um, I was born in Virginia, as a matter of fact. So they had a bunch of your siblings while they were overseas and moving yeah. around, and then. Were yeah. you one of the later siblings? In? I was one of the later siblings. So that's when they started settling down and then yep. got to Omaha. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, So you would say you grew up in Omaha? I pretty much would say that, yeah. Okay. Um, what high school did you go to? I went to Papillion High School. Okay. And um, good experience? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was a good experience. I, I wasn't particularly involved or active and didn't really do much there, but uh, it kind of shaped me. And, and What's uh, high school bill like? were you in track no no i was not i was not in sports at all okay i was not in sports at all uh which is kind of crazy because i'm pretty active now but high school uh, bill music guy not band guy yeah i was in band a a little bit and and uh but no i was i was pretty much kind of a loner kind of a uh not a trench coat guy but (laughs) I, I, I had a trench coat. I'm, it was pre-1999. I was allowed trench coats at that Still time. Still a streaking so, age. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so in, you're in Papillion. You're, you're uh, kind of you know doing your thing. Um, what did you enjoy about high school, if anything? Uh, I enjoyed girls. Okay. Um, I liked... Um, so that I, was your hobby. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, good with that. Yeah, you know, hanging out with friends and and uh, yeah, and meeting girls. And okay, it's kind of a so. Did you graduate experience. high school? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I know surprisingly, we, I was able to graduate. No, high school I, and, we're nine uh, for nine, I think, on asking that question. Yeah. You know, you gotta. I, I don't know. You know, it's fine. Everybody ends up where they end up. That's cool. So, um, you graduate high school. What did you do in Omaha? You're in Papillion. Now, there's a distinction between Omaha and Papillion, right? Um, or yeah. is there? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a suburb, and uh, but I mean, it kind of all runs together. And Do so, people from Papillion say, I'm from Papillion instead of Omaha, and you just told me Omaha so that I would feel better about knowing where you went to high school? That's pretty much it, yeah. Cool. <laughs> all right, so Papillion, um, mm-hmm. and then you graduated high school. What did you do? I went uh, went off to college. I Where'd you go? University of South Dakota. South Dakota? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that in Vermilion? It is in Vermilion. So you went it's from nice. Papillion. It's a nice place. Mm-hmm. Papillion to... The metropolis of Vermilion. So you went from Perpillion to Vermilion. <laughs> Perpillion to Vermilion, that's right. And I think it's time we get to your last name. Uh, Bill, what's your last name? Williams. Okay, so you're William. William Williams. That's, from that's Papillion right. to Vermilion. That's correct. Perfect. <laughs> Very good. That's okay, amazing. so you went up to Vermilion, and what did you study when you got up there besides what you spent your time with in high school? Besides girls, what did yeah. I study in college? Yeah. Yeah. No, what did you do? Um, uh, I studied uh, business and economics, my degrees in economics, and it's kind of what I saw myself doing for the rest of my life. Numbers guy? Uh, a little bit. Numbers. I thought maybe I'd go to law school or uh, go on to graduate school. That's a good Get my gig. MBA. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so accountant stuff, is that what you wanted to do? Um, MBA? Yeah. Um, maybe more in the finance uh, econ side, but... I haven't known you too long um, on a podcast level, but you <laughs> seem to like people. I do. And I do. like helping people. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe you don't do that as directly in, in those fields. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so you start out, you do your general stuff in uh, Vermilion from Papillion, and then you, you're studying, you want to go to economics, MBA stuff. And then, and then did you graduate with those kinds of fields? I did. Okay. I graduated and I thought that that's what I was going to do. And then right about that time, my wife graduated. Was she your wife already or was she, she your ex-girlfriend who's now your wife? Um, 
my ex-girlfriend, <laughs> now my wife. Um, she was my wife and she had graduated ahead of me. For some reason, it took me a little bit longer than four years to graduate. I don't really understand exactly how that works, um, but it took do you me, want me to walk, Do you want me to walk you through the no, numbers no, no, on no, that no, one? I can help. My wife graduated in three and a half years. And, wow. Uh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. And so uh, she went on to uh, teach. She was a teacher. What did she and, teach? Uh, uh, elementary schools. Her dream was always to teach second grade. Can I just say, since that's the time of year that we're in, that we should probably pay elementary school teachers twice as much as whatever they're getting right now? Definitely. Okay. I definitely agree. The things they do... Crazy. I thought you were going to take a moment of silence. I, I, no, I mean, <laughs> they just, they need <laughs> the things they do. Shot out for the, 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 <laughs> the way they help kids and form kids' minds and take them from not being able to know what a number is to mm-hmm. doing math. That is societal craziness. But anyway, okay. So teachers, she teaches, what grade did she teach again? She was teaching second grade. Her dream, her whole life is to teach second grade as an elementary good, school Good teacher. age. Good kids. And uh, her first year, she came back, and, and I'm just finishing finals. It's, you know, the, the and uh, she is finishing her first year of teaching. And all that she, the only thing she ever dreamt of doing, she came in and she said, um, uh, I don't think I want to be a teacher anymore. Oh, wow. And I said, uh, but I'm going to go to grad school. How are you going to support me? <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But seriously, how are you going to support me? And uh, so uh, I said, what's the deal? And she said, well, every day I go to school. She worked in an impoverished district. She said, every day I go to school um, and uh, teach these kids reading, writing, math. And, and then um, when I leave there at the day, I see the kids playing on the playground still when I leave. And when I come back the next day, I see some of those same kids on that playground. And some of them are wearing the same things they wore yesterday as if they never left. And she said, it's really hard for me to focus on teaching those basic skills to them when I don't even know if their basic needs are being met at right. home. And I think she didn't use this phrase, but I I came to realize that what she was really trying to say was it's impossible to make a difference in the lives of a person in need from a distance. And she felt like the distance from the front of the classroom to the desk was too far. And so she's like, I want to do something else. Hmm. And so I'm just ready to graduate. And so um, I graduated with a degree in business and economics, and we decided we're going to move in to a home with 10 kids. Okay. That's so, it, right. I mean, did it immediately hit you like a brick when she said it, when you watch her give up her dream because she realized it? I mean, you weren't watching this go on throughout the year. Did it, I mean, were you watching her change her attitude like throughout the year or was it just right at the end? She'd come in and it just hit you. Yeah, it just hit her. It took a little bit longer for me because I thought, well, what does this mean for us? And I was, we were at that point in our lives where we could do anything. We could do anything. You know, we're just young, no kids, we're just starting out, we had just gotten married, and here's an opportunity to make a real impact in in, in, in some area. Okay, but is it one conversation, or is it, no, okay, I understand, yeah. you had a bad day, let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's you talk thinking, about like, this I'm later. Still, I still have this aspiration to go to Wall Street, I want this, and she's doing this, and were you guys pulled or, apart or was from it, this, or was it, she immediately did it, inspiration. and you went, I'm in? No, I think it I think it was a period of time. I think that was the first conversation where it really started to click and then things started to come into in into into play. Things started to fall into pieces started to to make their way and and we just started saw doors opening and different different things that pointed us in that direction. Um So was it the end of that summer that now you're in charge of 10 kids? It was it was a little bit longer than that. Okay. Um we we moved back and then then we moved back where? We moved back to Omaha. I'm and, sorry, uh, Papillion? No. We moved. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> um, we moved back to the Omaha area, and then we thought, you know, what do we? What, what is what has God prepared us for? What, sure. what is what is the vision for the future? And we had a couple things in mind, and we really wanted to. We knew we wanted to have an impact somehow. And what uh, did impact mean to you at the time? Because um, how old are you right now? You're, you're at that time. You're making 22. this decision. Twenty two. Yeah. Which is so nerve-wracking for people you don't know whether you're prepared for adulthood right you don't know what it means to be adulthood it's this mysterious little thing out there that you don't realize you can make your own ship to go sail in the ocean you don't you don't realize that you think you have to get on somebody else's ship and you start you're scared because you don't know whether you have what it takes right and to be sitting there and going not only are we not going to go the path that we were on we're going to shift gears and take care of these kids. Yeah. So I just, I just, I, w- I want to know where the passion comes from and where the courage comes from to make that decision. Is it your faith? I mean, is that what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we were inspired because uh, a couple different things. One is we saw um, a, a couple, a couple major life events where we saw um, children impacted and hurt and some things that we saw in that and that caused us to say how can we have an impact how can we influence the lives of, of children and one of the things that I, it's been impressed upon me time and time again over the last 30 years since I started in this field and never thought that I would be there and never leave um, is the fact that my wife and I both have have parents who've been married 50 plus years mm. And we've had the stability of that family, the stability. I've never grown up in poverty, never seen substance abuse, never seen mental illness, never been affected by, um, by homelessness, never been affected by domestic violence. And either as my wife and I, neither as we've both been sheltered from that and blessed by, Did- um, by that. And so that impacted us to say so many people come from environments so much more traumatic and tragic than than we have well that's what i was gonna ask did it was it hard to put yourself in their shoes right away i mean you get because did you walk in with 10 right away i mean was that how it worked like walk us through that yeah. first you walked in right at 10 yeah I walked how do you in put right your away. how do you put yourself in their shoes and go and you know all of a sudden we we go from a sheltered life we just we have this idea and then to see this other world how do you could you prepare for could you have prepared for it at all absolutely not absolutely not um we were incredibly naive we were incredibly naive because we didn't, uh, we had a completely sheltered life. I knew we wanted to make a difference, but we had no idea what we were in for. Okay. Um, so you go and you do this thing and you go in Omaha and how does it start up? Do you just go find uh, people and say, hey, we're fine with kids to come and stay here? Actually, we knew uh, we knew some folks that had uh, affiliated and worked at Boys Town before. Okay, so um, Boys Town. So we st- we said, hey, let's do that. And, and did so you live on campus? We did. Okay, we did. What sort of interview process was there for you to get into Boys Town to manage ten kids? Um, yeah, well, it, there was like three stages of interviews. You went in, and um, and they weren't most interested in um, your education. They were interested in in really. If you're ready to get your hands dirty and yeah. work hard, because oh. it's because it, they're teenagers. In that case, we're talking about teenagers, mm. and so um, it teenagers. Was, and let's be let's be honest, teenagers who uh, maybe come from impoverished backgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, teenagers who have suffered abuse, mm-hmm. uh, teenagers who are trying to mimic that behavior, and uh, teenagers who are scared, uh, who don't know uh, what they want to do with their life, and they have no direction uh, for their life. And the Boys Town. Uh, I guess the purpose of Boys Town is what, from your perspective, working there? 
uh, at, the, at the time. Uh, the perspective is, you know, is to make a difference in the lives of kids so their future, they can change the tra- trajectory of their lives. Yeah. They have to choose to do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you're living on campus? Yep. Taking care of uh, 10 youth uh, who are placed there because they don't have anywhere else to go. Right. So yeah. are they living with you or are you in the dorms with them? Can you just explain the housing for me? The housing situation there, and we worked at a couple group homes and, and uh, over the next five years, and... Uh, you live in the home, it's, it's like a traditional family home. It looks like a home, it operates, you manages it much like a traditional home. You know, uh, if you were to look at it, it wouldn't look like uh, a dorm, it wouldn't look like an institution. There's not cinder block walls. We talk, you know, we, we're talking couches and love seats and kitchen tables and, and you interact with the 10 kids just like they're your own. And so it's really kind of a unique opportunity to really spend time and invest in, in, in kids. And model the stability and love that you received growing up for kids that have never received it. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Where, did the, <clears throat> where did the respect come from? I mean, from a standpoint of a teenager, having someone that's 22 years old being in charge of me, what, like I would have to gain respect from you. So how did that happen? How did that that's the hardest thing is to is because you don't have any credibility starting out, mm-hmm. and so you have to earn that. And this, the the respect comes from not giving kids what they want, but providing structure and stability for them. And so by providing that structure and stability, and still allowing yourself to listen and hear them, then you um, teach as you go and you grow in that respect. Some kids have a difficult time giving respect to anyone. Um, and so it's it's a challenge, definitely. So you're at Boys Town. How many years did you do Boys Town housing? We were there for a year. Okay. And then we went to another home. We were there for four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. So now you're uh, late 20s? Yeah, yeah. And then what? Well, at that point, um, I never wanted to leave. I loved it. I loved working with the kids. I loved working just side by side with the kids. And it got to a point where we had three kids of our own. So now yeah. that's... That's like 13. Yeah. I mean, we're 10 plus 3. I don't know if yeah. you can do the math there, John. It's tough. I'm not a math <laughs> yeah. guy. I'm a yeah, so, guy. Uh, okay. so it was getting to be a lot for our family. And my wife's thinking, I want to focus my efforts on our family. Sure. And uh, it was getting to be a lot. So um, I looked at opportunities and folks would tell me that, you, you know, that I was pretty good at what I was doing and said, I should look at an opportunity to lead others in this same kind of thing. And so I found uh, a home in Nebraska because um, we uh, we had moved to uh, a group home in Iowa and there was a home in Lincoln, Nebraska that was working with kids and said, we're looking for someone to supervise our, our group home here and bring a program here and teach these kids. And these kids wouldn't necessarily be in your home all the time, right? Or would they be? No, that when, when we moved back to Nebraska and moved to Lincoln, Nebraska, um, then there were two homes at the time. And I oversaw those homes, and so I didn't live in the homes. Okay. I oversaw. So you were able to have your own uh, right. nest, and then, then and then we got our own home, the kids. Yeah. and then we would, uh, and periodically I would spend as much time in the home as possible and bring my family over there because I really it was very comfortable for me, very natural for me, and so that's kind of how I managed, how I supervised, is by by walking alongside sure. our staff and walking alongside with the kids because that was what I love to do. So now you're in Lincoln. How mm-hmm. long are you in Lincoln? Um, for five years. Okay. So now we're at 30s. Yeah. 30s. Yep. Okay. And whoa, life is just, whoa. Well, where'd we, 10 years go? 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> 10 years doing this kind of work yeah. and uh, the opportunity to grow our two homes to four and then to six group homes serving kids um, brought me here to Kearney, Nebraska. Okay. So then it brought you here to Kearney around that time. What year would have this have been? 1999. 99. So 99, you and your wife and how old are your children at this time? Um, our children were at the time um, eight, six, four, two and a baby. Okay. Full house. Full house. And you say this full house, um, we're going to go to Kearney, Nebraska. Right. Why did you decide on Kearney, Nebraska, other than the opportunity presenting itself? Well, the uh, the organization I was with, with the group homes, decided to expand. And so we explored different areas to expand to. We looked in, and central Nebraska was an area where there was a real need. Yeah. So we looked at Grand Island, Hastings, Kearney, and, and ultimately Kearney was chosen. And so um, I was the director over the homes, and we were going to hire a supervisor to supervise the homes here in Kearney. But I felt like because it's so far removed from our Lincoln base that it would really lose um, the continuity and we would lose the connection. You need to protect the brand. and Absolutely. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to move there, yeah. and I will direct from here, and, and that way we will develop Kearney and it will be similar to what we had. Had you been to Kearney before? I'd never been to Kearney in my life. <laughs> never. So you're in the yeah, U-Haul. But what was that cult? What was the first day of the culture shock? Was there a culture shock? Or I mean, I know Lincoln and Omaha are completely different, but you still have five kids. You're bringing them in. You show up day one, and you just go, "Yeah, we're home." Or did you go, "Ooh, when when's that next opening back up in Papillion?" <laughs> yeah. No, I came here, and and I was just excited for the opportunity, and. Uh, and initially, I thought it was only going to be two years because I thought we'll open things up. And then after two years developing a culture here, then I'll go back to the Lincoln area and, and I'll manage things from there. And so I wasn't real concerned about it. Was your wife working at the time? No, no, no. She stayed okay. home. She stayed uh, home with the kids. Mm -hmm. And so she's in, uh, you all moved to Kearney. You have this for a couple of years. It's 2001 uh, and you're still here. Did you stay with that group home until... Um, well, interestingly enough, I didn't, I didn't want to move back. Um, oh. I had opportunities to move back to Lincoln, or I had an opportunity to move back to Lincoln, and I said, I, I don't want that. What, what, did, what did you like about it? Why, why um, did you choose that? I liked the, I liked the, um, I like being here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can put my finger on exactly what it was, but I didn't want to We're go trying. Back. As you say, that's yeah. the point. Yeah, that's the yes. point of this. We're trying. Um, there was something uniquely special about yeah. being here. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had an opportunity to go back. And so I said no. So actually, oddly enough, a new director was hired who would be my boss, and I would work under him and stayed here in Kearney. Wow. So you almost took a demotion, if I, did. I could call it. Yeah, you, took, Absolutely. you, you were demoted yeah. in order to keep your family and stay mm -hmm. here and raise your family in Kearney. Well, thank you for doing Best that. Best decision I ever made. I, I would agree. I think Kearney's completely benefited by that. So you stay here. You decide to... Um, how shall we say, get married to Carney, um, And you decide to stay here and uh, have your children here and, and live here forever. And um, how long until something else happened? Well, I did this. Uh, I worked here um, until 2007 and then decided, uh, along with another guy uh, who I worked with, Ryan Stanton and his wife, and we were just for a number of years just wondering what else we could do to make an impact in our community. And so um, at that point, uh, we thought group homes were great. We loved what we did. Um, 
working with kids, but we wanted to work with kids more integrated in the community, with families, um, connected to the community. And so we decided to start something new, something okay. different. And, and you and, and Ryan Stanton, mm-hmm. um, you guys are like, okay, uh, let's jump again. And um, you're in your 40s. Yeah. Yeah. And you're deciding to jump again. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, it is scary. How do you manage that fear um, of jumping? And how do you have the courage to do that? Is it faith again? Or what is it? Is it just knowing the environment enough to know that you'll be fine? I mean, what is that? I don't think I ever thought. (laughs) You never never thought about it? I never thought that we were just going to be fine. I think there was always a degree of fear. But we knew it was the right thing to do. And we knew it was the time to do it. You knew it was the right thing to do. We did. And you went after it anyway. Whether you failed or not, you were going to jump. Absolutely. Okay. And I do think it was absolutely a God thing because we believe that that, that constantly we saw different signs that would, would um, make it clear to us that something else had to be done in order to address the needs of children and families here in central Nebraska. So what did you start, which is the reason you're here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so in 2007, we started an organization, a ministry called Compass, and that's to serve children and families coming from some hard places. How do you serve them? We serve them by providing, uh, by recruiting, licensing, and training foster families to care for children that are removed from their parents for whatever reason. And can, wait, can I keep yeah. going? Yeah. Yeah, keep yeah. going with it. I, I, that's your mission statement right there. Build on how, like, why the foster, why all of that. I mean, I can tell that you've used that line before. Can you go a little deeper on that? Just like that initial why you chose the fostering, how that first little part got going. Well, what we were doing before, uh, Ryan worked with me uh, before, and and we worked together in working with children who were removed from their parents in group homes. And we really believed in the impact that we were having. We're making a difference in the lives of these kids. And we were really influencing their lives, enjoying our time together, and it was amazing. Um, But what we realized is these children that are growing up in a home of 10 kids, it's as much as we want it to be like family, it's not. We want these children to experience greater degree of normalcy. And they'll experience greater normalcy if they're integrated into the community and they're part of a family, a real biological connected family unit. So the group home got them out of harm's way. The foster home gets them going forward. I mean, is that kind of the idea there? Make well, sure it gets them. It gets all the things that I had as a child. It, I mean, and a group home, we can mimic that, but it's different than growing up with a mom and a dad, brothers and sisters, going to the movies on Saturday, bike rides on Sunday, going to. So is that what you just said? Is that your definition of family as far as, you know, people who love you and care about you and want you to be Absolutely. successful? I mean, it, and that doesn't necessarily have to be a mom and a dad. It can be a mom. It can be a dad. It can be anything. It, as long as somebody cares about you, they can be your family, right? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. And, they, and, they, and a foster parent, um, for however long they have you, as long as they care about you and love you, they're your family. Right. Right. So that's good. We define family. That's important, <laughs> I think. So we went to foster placement, which is what you're here. You started Compass. Compass serves those families through foster 
through training foster parents. What else does Compass, Compass do in the community? Well, we also work with biological families because there's two parts of, uh, of you know, when you look at a family that's going through some, coming from some hard places. We have the child that may be coming from a traumatic, hard place. There may be abuse, there may be neglect, um, but then there's the family that they're coming from. And too often we look at that family as the problem, but often that family comes from a lot of challenges that, like I said, that I've never had to face as a child. They come from from poverty, they, they're, they come from an impoverished situation, that homelessness, or, or there may be domestic violence involved, single parent families just struggling to survive. And so if we can make those families healthier and address the issues that are um, present in the environment that are causing the disruption, and we can, we can address those, then maybe those children can go back with their biology. In some ways, it's a family for families. Absolutely. Uh, um, to, well, to learn how to do that. And, and I, you know, and I've, I've known Ryan and I've been down to your guys' place, and I actually didn't know that was part of it. Um, I knew the foster side and I've seen that side, in it, but I didn't know the other side. Um, that's actually, to me, that's more like that's an impressive side that I wish I would have known about going into this. Um, maybe I need to pay attention probably a little more, but yeah, I most guess, likely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to blame me for that one, not you guys. Uh, yeah, I think you but were I think that's a really staring cool, at your phone. Uh, most likely. <laughs> it's a, that's a really cool side of it, though, because, I mean, you're going to affect probably more than one child in that when you're fixing the families. Mm. I'm assuming these groups have two, three, four kids, and you can change that their lives very quickly. I th- not quickly in terms, but by fixing that family environment, it'll fix the four, and that makes a big difference going forward. Well, and so many of these families are coming through, or these children are coming from generational situations, and so if we have make some progress with the family, we make some progress not just for that one child, but all of the children in that family, and then generation beyond that as well. I tried to say that. I, he no, does he, so he did much it. better he did than much me. Better oh than my you. gosh. So, okay, so you're organized, you're a nonprofit, right? Yep. Okay, so you're a nonprofit, and how do you get your funding? Well, we have funding from a couple of different sources. Uh, one, we receive, uh, we have a contract with the state of Nebraska that provides sure. us um, funds for the children that we serve in care. So for every day a child's in care and we support that child, then, then we get um, some funding for that. And then in addition to that, for additional things that we do and provide for families, we raise funds through different events. We have events that we do. We have private donors. We have grants that we write, organizations and individuals and churches that provide support in order for us to continue. If somebody's listening to this and go, I am compelled to either uh, become a foster parent or give you a, a anonymous check for $100,000 or something like that. Um, how would they do that? If they were, they can call me at home. Uh, <laughs> Let's give out your cell phone number right now. Absolutely. <laughs> this um, is only for that person who wants to give the anonymous $100,000 and everybody else don't use it. But um, okay, what can they do? Well, if, if they want to if they want to be involved, there's many ways to be involved. Ultimately, we want to give people an opportunity to train to change the trajectory of the life of a child or a family. Yeah. And if they want to do that by by financially uh, supporting the work that we do, they can contact us. Um, I mean, we have a website, um, compassnebraska.org. They can find us on Facebook. Um, they can call our office here in Kearney. They can call me on my cell phone. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And uh, and what if they want to you know be a foster parent because there's a, there's everybody wants a cute cuddly baby, it, right. I, I'm, I'm, it's completely true. It is everybody true. wants that baby to foster and to to love for a little while because they're easy to love. I mean they're hard to raise, but they're easy to love. Um, teenage kids, tough. 
to get people to go, okay, I'll let you in my house and you might come from a back, back, bad background and you might, you might lie. You might have some issues that we have to deal with. That's tough, right? It is. It's really difficult to change people's perspective perspective on that yeah um i'll tell you when we first started compass our our only the only kids that we worked with were teenagers Mm. we started with that goal because that is the most underserved population of children out there it is so hard to find families who will open their homes to teenagers because they're they've got some um fears they've got some fears and my wife and i we've been foster parents and we fostered 47 teenagers in, in the last 12 years. And so I can tell you that we've, we've been through it and if we can do it, I mean, we had five of our own biological children. And so if we can do it with five, anybody can do it. That's a um, really big station wagon. That's a big station wagon. They weren't all at the exact oh, okay. same time. Okay. You know, so. Um, so do you have any success stories from there? Anything anything from fostering that you, uh, you know, that you would tell that person who's going, you know, I'm thinking about doing that? You know, there's been so many. We've had a, a lot of great stories. I'll tell you one time, uh, we were actually doing a fundraising thing at Give Where You Live, and we had a little uh, event we did at, uh, at Baristas in town. And so people could come by and say, thanks for the work that you do, and drop off a check if they'd like or, or make a donation. And so we stayed there all day, and we posted on Facebook and things like that. And the thing that was so important, Impressive. A lot of people came by. Some teachers came by. Some workers from HHS came by. Attorneys came by. John, you weren't there, and it disappointed me. But, no. uh, and it was so, there in spirit. Uh, people would come by and say things, positive things, and, and uh, make a donation. And what was really, really encouraging is about 5 o'clock that day, we're getting ready to close up, and a, a young man comes in, and, and uh, he said I could share a story, and his name is Solomon. And, and he, he came in and said, hey, I wanted to come in and say thank you for all that you did for me. And Solomon was one of our foster kids, mm. and he made a donation. Mm. He says, can I make oh. a donation? And, and we awesome. said... Oh, sorry. What did you say? Well, I didn't know he... Yeah. What going. did you say? What? Oh, no, I, he was... Oh, saying, no, I was looking at him, <laughs> not you. Oh, I was like, I, no, I said, hold on, I was going to have okay. one more question. It's no, suspenseful. I, I thought it was a <laughs> So dramatic. Can we edit this I out? I need to oh, know no, what he said. Let's go. No I edits? need to know. But we'll be right back. <laughs> And let him know what. What did he say? <laughs> yeah, what'd you say? What did he say? What did he say? No, no, we're gonna find out after the break. We're gonna take a break. This is Carney Pie. Henry Mancini is skipping, but we'll enjoy it for uh, a short time, and we'll be right back. Those dulcet tones. 
This is my druthers right here. These are my druthers. I could wear these all the time. Little <laughs> Henry Mancini druthers. So, nothing else to talk about, right? We're yeah. good? Yeah, I think so. Let's move on. <laughs> oh. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, let's finish. We need, cliffhanger. We, need, we had the cliffhanger. <laughs> so, what, what? Solomon's wisdom. Solomon came, and you were at Baristas. You were at a fundraising event for Give Where We Live, a uh, friend of the show. And uh, you were there, and they. I, I wasn't there, because I am the no good uh, rotten attorney who didn't come and, and write you a check that day. I'm sorry about that. And so, you're there. Solomon comes in at the end of the day, gives you money, and he says, thank you uh, for, for what you did in your life and what else does he say bill williams um well <laughs> i think that we really we really it was just a real blessing for solomon to come in and he said i, I just really want to thank you um for everything you did he said i don't think i would be the same person today um if it wasn't for all the work that you did and you helped steer me in the right direction and that was incredibly impactful and so we asked solomon can we take a picture of you? I mean, I, I don't want to be exploitive, but I right. just really appreciate it. It's just an encouragement. It's encouragement when anyone gives. Or There's a little Solomon. There is a seventh grade Solomon going, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know whether there's a way out of this. And to see an older Solomon go, right. there's a way out. Yeah. And we worked with Solomon from seventh grade until he was, you know, now he's now he's like 23 or whatever. Wonderful. And so for him to come in and say that and validate the work sure. just meant a ton. And so we took a picture of him and we posted on Facebook and then amazing things happened. People started to comment to Solomon and mm. say, I remember you as a kid mm. and it's great to see that you're doing so well. And we're encouraging him. And then other kids that we had served saw Solomon and I got a call when I went home that night. It was about 10 o'clock at night from a, a, a little a kid, a kid who we worked with who now lived in California. And at 10 o'clock at night, he called and said, can I still make a donation? Oh. And I said, yeah. And so he made a donation and he made a comment online and, and his, his comment and, and was, thank you. You saved my hide more than once. I'll always be grateful for you. And then another gal. And it just, it was, people started to respond, but when people respond because they were touched by the work that you do, not just because we right. asked somebody for help or, you know, they were, they were motivated by the It's a ripple effect of that family love that you're generating has, uh, and, and it kind of comes back to you too. So it's a ripple effect for all the children that you're helping. And then it comes back to help your organization to help more people. Absolutely. Wonderful. Hey, I think that's great. We'll we'll get uh, more to you later, but we're going to talk to Chase. Hello, <laughs> Chase. That's the most remarkable intro uh, we've ever had. Chase, uh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. I, we talked about your vacation as a child, and you went to Yellowstone and you collected uh, lost. What is it? What was it? The puppets. <laughs> yeah, you lost them. Land before time. Thank you. Land before time. And guess what, JB? I haven't seen that either. Oh, you know, of course you haven't. Me. So uh, little little p dinosaur puppets, uh, and you love the smell of sulfur. Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sulfur in the morning. Okay, so we're gonna have a good contrast here. So <laughs> sulfur in the morning and, and uh, La Brea. No, not La Brea. The Yellowstone tarpits. And you saw some dinosaurs. And uh, Chase, <laughs> I did not see dinosaurs. Not you didn't. <laughs> no, I thought it was Jurassic yeah. Park. You didn't go to Jurassic. <laughs> have you seen that movie? You haven't seen Jurassic Park? Maybe, Tony Purvis. I don't know. Okay. Wow. Uh, so where did you grow up, Chase? 
Yeah, Chase Meyer. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, grew up in Kearney, born and raised. Woo, woo, woo. Kearney pie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you, feel, feel you grew up in Kearney. Natural. Yeah, yeah. Were you born at uh, Good Samaritan Hospital? Or I was. You, I, you, yeah, okay. yeah, as far so, as I know. As far as you know, yeah. so you were born. You yeah. don't remember. Well, not re- no, <laughs> it's no, a little foggy. It is a little foggy. Yeah. Nobody remembers. So you, you were born in Kearney, Good Samaritan <laughs> Hospital. What uh, elementary school did you go to? Um, I went to Central Elementary School for the first uh, couple years. And, and then, then where'd you go? And then Kenwood. Kenwood. The original Kenwood, I mean, like before, you know, they sold which to was the down, daycare. Uh, which was down <laughs> by, yeah, well, it is kind of, uh, which yeah. is, oh, what, what's the? Uh, 16th. Yeah, yeah 16th. 16th and, yep. and mm-hmm. okay. Yep. So you went to the original Kenwood yep. and then you grew up the whole time here in Kearney? Yep. So we moved to, we moved around a little bit. Went to McCook and Trenton and uh, different parts of small town Nebraska. He's from McCook. What? Did you guys play at the park together maybe? Probably not. Age friends. That would have been weird. (laughs) That would have been weird. (laughs) Hey, kid. There is a guy. Just can I tell you McCook's story? This is is my favorite McCook story. Okay, this is the the McCook Uh, uh, segue sideways No, no, because this is going to make you realize how much better Kearney is than McCook. And I don't know if you remember this. Mm. There's a guy that sells candy out of a windowless van in McCook. Yeah. And, uh, he goes yeah, yeah. to the park in the summer. Okay. Two parks, the okay. pool and so park. Funny. And then he goes to the elementary or the junior high during lunch and then mm-hmm. the elementary school after school. Okay. Opens the van door. Sure. No again, brown, no windows, and right. then sells fifty cent snow cones and candy out of his van. You know every, he has a, he has every a YouTube channel. Day. Yeah, and it's creepy. And he has a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. but and it's all conspiracy theory stuff. <laughs> so if you're wondering why Carney's better than McCook, but Rule, but uh, example but, number but like seventy. Do you know Matt Sainer in McCook? Yeah. So Sainer's Bakery. They just won the uh, nicest. He's he's the nicest person of the year award in nationally. Cool. Right. Pretty you can massive. say anything to that. Yeah, guy. I know. Yeah, and so he has a very positive outlook on this guy in the van. Well, He's a great guy. He's never, never harmed. But I just I like if you were ever going to the McCook and yeah, want to do the McCook. Sure. Yeah, it's McCook. not normal. Uh, McCook cake. Muffin? I don't know what. I don't know McCook muffins. <laughs> so we're just trying to figure that one out. But yeah, there you go. So keep going. So okay. Yeah, so yeah, Trenton, no, no, no. No, and I was at Trenton. So you're Trenton McCook. Yeah. How long were you in no, Trenton McCook? I think it, you know it felt like forever, but it was sure. like six months each or something oh. small. Like did you go to school there when you were down there? Okay. And. Yeah, and then uh, back to Carney. Back to Carney, mm-hmm. and then uh, are you in middle school at the time when you came back? Yep, yep. I went to uh, HMS Middle School and Carney okay. High, and, and then uh, I didn't get real interesting until like twenty uh, something. Then we moved away. And okay, so uninteresting high school yeah. chase. What are you like? Oh man, Whew. you know I was uh, I was super Christian chase, but like uh, Mr. T, super Christian chase. So I had like seven silver cr- uh, cross necklaces that <laughs> sure. were all that were all hanging at once because right. the more cross necklaces you wear the more people you can save in one day clearly sure that's, okay that's so that happened. that's you you were yeah, th- that, that guy in yeah. pity the fool I, I was <laughs> yeah, true that did you have a mohawk um you know i tried to be cool yeah i yeah. tried to glue my hair up and do that whole thing oh. and uh, didn't ever really work for me. Did you but, get the girls with it? Y- you know, I got one girl with it, and nice. I'm still I'm married to her. Today. Hey, that's so, actually the yeah. most impressive. Is that your ex girlfriend? Yeah, that is. You know what? Ironically, yes. <laughs> so we were dating ex. No, yeah, see, back together, the, the reality is, your 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 boyfriend girlfriend, and then you ask them to marry you. Yes, and then they become your fiance. They're no longer your. Oh, that's your a really good point. They're your ex. Yeah, but several times she was my ex. <laughs> I, I would expect nothing less, Chase. <laughs> so you're in high school. Uh, did you graduate high school, Chase? Yes, did 10 graduate, for 10. Yes. Okay, so you graduated high school, and then what did you do? Um, I went to UNK for um, graphic design, okay. and I said, screw this. Who needs college? Right. And I ended up doing my own online studies and starting my own business stuff. So okay, so how long into, before, um, what hall were you in at UNK? Um, so, well, I don't. 
Hall. Oh no, I I lived at home. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh okay. Yeah. So you didn't get the full no, UK I didn't. experience. No, I did. Oh no, dude. No. So okay. So you never. Uh, the screw this is a little biased because you okay, were very, you were never fat, there. Fair, so okay. Fair. So you, you you screw this and you're going to do it from home. And then how did you do it from home? Screw higher education at that time in my life. I think it's wonderful p- for people that like it. But for me, it's not my it's not my jam. Yeah. You do yeah. your jam. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. You, you, yeah. you sing your own song. Yes. So th- there you go. You say no uh, higher education for yeah. me. What did you decide to go do? You did it online. Yeah. So I did. I just did lynda.com. I don't know if you guys know about that. By the way, side Is that note, the free one? It, well, so lynda.com is very expensive. Oh. LinkedIn just bought it. Oh. But um, the Kearney Public Library bought lynda.com subscription for the entire city of Kearney. Oh, so really? It's 35 bucks a month for every person, but you can get it free with your library card. So, which, which is also free. Yeah. So right. you go get your free library card and then you can have uh, the same education you had. Right. Yep, exactly right. Okay. So yep. you go and you get this education. How do you do that? Do you do it like during the day? Um, no, it's it's really just, I think it's like um, most most people that are driven to do what they want to do in life, just they they make up their own schedule, their own curriculum, they solve their own problems sure. in whatever way they want to. So and pre-siesta and post-siesta, yes. you oh. did some studies. <laughs> oh, I did some studies, boy. I'm, late. I'm a late night studier though. Oh, okay. Yeah, I stay up late. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're late night studying. How long before you complete your, uh, you know, what is it, Lydia? What is it called? Linda. Linda. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A. L-Y-N-D-A. And, and let's be clear. It's not like a curriculum I'm following. It's okay. like there's online courses that I can watch and I can learn about So Chase, programs. you can take whatever you want. What do you I, take? I, I learned about Adobe Illustrator and the okay. basics of a graphic design. And I just used it for my own uses. And then I learned basics about uh, web development. And started some web stuff. I think so, that's awesome. Wait, what, so what were you? What were you, you said you were doing that and the business? What was your business? Well, in? the business uh, was first first business I built was called Three Dot Inc. and it was with David Lano. David Lano, shout out to him. He's an awesome dude. He owns Control Yours okay. in Carney. Um, and then we started Control Yours together, the website business. And then I, um, at that time, like when we were running Control Yours, we were into it like eight years or something. And um, we, my wife and I, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump straight to the interesting stuff. Do whatever you want to cool. do. My wife and I got in a really bad car wreck on 39th Street, and and like one where this kid crossed two lanes of traffic, hit us head on. Oh wow! And uh, our engine block came into the front of the car. Oh, man. You know, like seatbelt burned a hole through the oh, shirt, sort of stuff. Yeah. And we are like, what are we doing in Carney? Mm. Like in a in a negative sense, we were thinking about like have we wasted our lives? We almost yeah. died in Kearney, yeah. Nebraska, but we haven't really moved out. And that kind of instigated um, a life transformation. Yeah. So we bought some we bought some one way tickets to Southeast Asia. Went to Indonesia first. Sold our house. Sold our cars. And um, just backpacked up Southeast Asia. Okay. Well, this has to do with business. This well, no, 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 no. We oh, got oh. we got to unpack. I got oh, it. Oh, oh, I got to unpack sorry. that a little sorry bit. So, uh, how old are you? Um, we when are, the wreck happens. Yep. Probably, man, 27. You got a business. Like yep. And it's just you and your wife. Yep. And you say, um, let's go see the world. I yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe we're supposed to go do something else. So we go do that or what, what yeah. should do? No. So I think at the time she was studying interior design in college okay. and she's a super f- fabulous interior designer, but she was also interested in like uh, m- uh, microbiology. So she was interested in going to uh, 
No, those two pair well yeah. together. Well, I don't know not, why you guys are giving him looks. Come on. What are you doing? What are you doing? Every microbiologist just, yeah. I know is also yeah. an impeccable interior designer. Let's just go with this. Whatever, whatever, Shauna, my wife and I like yes. to do, we typically go for it. So that's good. Sure. But uh, she now, how'd you decide on Southeast Asia? Yeah. So she was interested in going to Australia for microbiology, right. and we kind of chatted about it, and we're like, maybe, maybe it does make sense. Maybe it doesn't. They speak but English there. Yeah, it's they a do. Plus, very expensive. Very oh, expensive okay. Australia. But we ultimately decided not to do it. Um, just because it was so constrained, we were like, you know what? Let's stop at the constraints. Let's yeah. let's do our own thing for a minute. Okay. And Southeast Asia, super affordable. Um, it is. It's one of those places that you can live for a really long time on a small budget. You can travel really well, and that's ultimately why we des- decided on that area. Okay. I'd been to India earlier in my life. I stayed there for a month, and so Southeast Asia was like upper, like better in the in uh, everything it had to offer, like running water and stuff like that. Did you have? <laughs> So how did you pay for things in Thailand? So um, we went there with $5,000. So it's like all we had. It's not sufficient. It's not very much money. No. No. But uh, two years in Thailand, as an example, when we got our way up there, was 12 grand for two years total expenses. Wow. Total expenses. That's like a two-bedroom house, having a cell phone with data, owning a motorbike. Wow. Really great. That's why a lot of retirees go Go to to Thailand. Yeah, Southeast Asia in general. Hmm. But Indonesia was wonderful, man. It was like, it opened our eyes. It opened our eyes to um, different sorts of people, different religion, different foods, different everything. And it just kept, we just kept getting expanded and expanded as we kept moving north. How long were you there? Um, Two years. Two years. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you go, man, Christmas. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I liked I liked having the break. I like we like the heat. My wife and I like the heat, so uh, we we liked escaping the winters. Um, but we we ultimately I during that time I talked to David Lano and I said, Hey man, um, I'm not as passionate about this website stuff as sure. you are. So let's just have you take over the business side of things, and I'll just sell my shares to you, and I'll just go my own way. And it went. It ended well and he's doing very successful today look him up if you need a website control yours.com but fair plug yeah yeah right ahead. but uh but then uh yeah man and then we just decided how do we want to make our mark on the world that was yeah. like a question we had we started a travel blog and the travel blog was an easy in because we're somewhere that people don't go typically sure and we just started writing about our experiences and that that was awesome because it taught us that you can make money doing anything in this world. And writing writing about your experiences and selling advertising is a really fabulous way to um, differentiate yourself at, at that time anyway, before there were a million travel right. bloggers. And, and it was great. So we made our livelihood doing that. And then we started a shirt company and that brought us back. So the shirt oh. company was pre, oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, you started the shirt company there or here? We started it there, and it was a. It was actually called something different. It was called Shirt Sayings, and the whole the whole point was to work with international graphic designers, and we were going to um, have them create positive, uplifting messages. So your your shirt could be a billboard for positivity. And the the problem became we had a website, we had stuff that was selling, but we had no company to actually print and fulfill our orders for us. It was there wasn't a lot of things at the time like so that. So you were outsourcing that yeah, part. Yeah, that's what we were trying to do. I mean, if it, if we, outsourcing would have worked perfectly, I don't know if we would have came back. You know, we probably would have hung out there. Yeah. So and, did you see these shirts elsewhere? Did you have the idea, or where did the idea to go? Hey, let's do positivity shirts. Like, well, yeah, where'd you get that? Well, you know, I think um, if we asked ourselves, where can we make our mark? Uh, we, we recognized a niche, and the niche is 
t-shirts, custom printing, personalization, that sort of stuff is only going to continue to grow as people continue to wear apparel. And so why would we not focus on let's just push positivity out there? I think, you know, this was at, at the time where Facebook um, was just Yeah, let's getting, get a year. Yeah, just getting. 2002? Yeah, yeah, it was just getting started by uh, my well, no, it's later than that. Yeah, 2002 would have been six, probably five or six is when. Okay, it I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of late adopter. No, early oh, adopter. Oh, hey, I was. Oh. I had. I had one of the exclusive. You're the cool kids. I had the exclusive. Uh, the uh, Facebook account. I had a the Facebook wow. account, and you had to have a, a UNL or a .edu address to get on it. And uh, you had a, it was invite only, so I was one of those people, and that was around 2003, 2004. So I'm assuming you're 2006. Yeah, yeah, somewhere okay. around there. Yep. And so that was a time where my mom just started using Facebook as an example, or or people like Uncool. that. Come on, no longer cool <laughs> platform. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so you are on Facebook and you're selling the positivity. Yep, that's what we were trying to do. We were ultimately trying to counteract a lot of negativity that just started on the social media sure. accounts, and so people are mean. The, I know, I yeah. know. It became such a became a poison in a lot of regards. Yeah. So we're like, you know what? Let's just spread positivity. That's okay. our that's our message. And the t-shirt thing started, and it was a hit. And international designers loved doing it. And so we were like, well, how do we successfully print this stuff and ship it to people all around the world? And that um, led us back to taking control of that process. Sure. So we moved back to Carney to start that. Was there any that. was there any question for you guys? I mean, we've we've talked about moving on. We mm-hmm. went. We wanted the heat. We wanted all this. Then why'd you come back? Well, well, the t- the shirt thing was a primary instigator of why we came back. But, um, but you can print T-shirts in Arizona, right? Oh, you mean specifically to Carney? yeah? Why did you come back here? Well, I think I think the natural uh, the the reality of it is um, when you have as many years of experience growing up in a city like we do, you know, you naturally know a lot of people. And I'm a fairly I'm a fairly charismatic guy where I talk to people and wait, well, yeah, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll drink a beer with people and it, I'm easy to get along with. And I think that makes it easy for us to start something. And if, if anything else, it was a it was a testing ground. So if you can come back to a place that's familiar and people know you, you don't have to like build that. It's already done. And that was a major aspect of why we wanted to come back in the uh, The foundation's already there. Absolutely. The, the yeah. family, yep. uh, in a broader sense of a society, yes. of a community. A big is, tribe. Is, yeah. it, exactly. People who are rooting for you. Yeah, People absolutely. People who don't want to see you fail. Some of the bigger cities, if you were to go to San Francisco. They wouldn't care. Uh, they really wouldn't care, and yep. you'd just be another t-shirt shop. Yep. So you, you decided to do the t-shirt thing. How did you start it when you got here? Oh, oh excuse me. Uh, Chase Meyer, uh, what what do you run? What? Yeah, Man, we're kind of all over the place. We, I know, but sorry. that's all right. Twenty uh, four hour teas. Okay, is our so t-shirt how shop. did you get how did you get that started? Well, when we first came back, we we decided you know we need to print and fulfill. We need to print and ship out shirts for our own brand. But while we're doing this, we might as well. We have to buy the equipment anyway. We right. have to get the apparel. We might as well offer this to other companies. And so we started doing that. Um, and then we're like, well, since we already have the equipment and we have the apparel, why would we not open up a storefront? Because we had to have a place for the equipment anyway. And we opened it up and and then it turned into individuals wanting to customize their own shirts one at a time. And that was always the the sort of thing we, we wanted to give. We wanted to give self-expression and we wanted to give the opportunity for um, someone's creative mind, even if they didn't have a design background, to be able to have something cool that they could wear. It's affordably. about it's about more than shirts. It is. It totally is. It's a it's it's something that we all I think we all want, but we don't know how to attain. And that is 
to if we could all wear our opinions on uh, the nicest of our opinions on yeah. our on our bodies at all times, um, we would. Will you print a negative shirt? Um, we actually turned down negative shirts. Yeah. So during that whole um, the whole there was a whole Black Lives Matter thing. Remember that whole deal? Um, there was a, a group that came in. They wanted to print White Lives Matter, and we explained to them that that's not the reason why Black Lives Matter exists. It's not to say that one race is better than another. It's to bring up the fact that someone has been um, demonized for so many years, a specific race. And and I'm like, we're already on top, guys. The white people are already on top. We don't need to brag about it. There's no issue there. So we do reject stuff like that. If there's something hate or if there's something um, against a certain Listen, group, hate, we don't do it. Like you're running a business. You yeah. can print whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, you can be fine with that or you can not be fine with Absolutely. that. You can be content neutral or Absolutely. you can control it. That's yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And that's fine. So there are some things that uh, maybe we wouldn't go for and, and that's fine. Yeah. And um, so you come back, you're in Kearney. You're, uh, do you find that the Kearney community embraces what you're trying to do? You know, I, I think we are... It's it's very difficult at times because we've we've done so many things in Carney that are it's outside the norm. I mean, we we started the Carney Night Market, right? Bringing back uh, the concept of having seventy vendors that are all different vendor types on the street at night, Thursday it, nights in the yeah, summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that that's a really weird thing for a lot of people. They never experienced that before. So I think the challenge is getting the people that aren't used to things to try them and to be adaptive to them. And it is, it is becoming easier and easier to have kind of our culture be embraced by the city. I've, I mean, I've experienced a night market. I've been in there a lot. I would think that that would be a successful thing. I mean, it seems to be successful for the vendors and yeah. for the families who get to go and enjoy an evening with their kids or whatever they're yeah. going to try and do. So I think that's a good thing. No. Yeah. Okay. So you got the t-shirt, uh, uh, Thing and what makes your uh, company unique from other companies? You know, every, every company that prints shirts does their own thing, and it, it really—I I hope the best for everyone. I have no ill will towards any sure. other brand. I think, I think that uh, one of the key ways that we're different is we try to be fun. We try to be lighthearted uh, at the same time, incredibly communicative. Uh, communicative. That's that ironic. Works. Yeah, that's let's ironic. go with that one. Yeah. And uh, that's and it then, is ironic. Yeah, I know. And then we don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I totally, a little bit. I totally think. And so we, we, yeah, we try to be, um, we try to be the shop that makes your life as easy as possible. Okay. I mean, that's kind of our MO. So you come to work with us and we say, uh, if you don't know anything about shirts, that's fine. We'll hold your hand. We'll mm -hmm. gently walk you through it. We're not going to make you feel like a dummy. And all the way along, we're going to keep you updated with all your uh, auto text messages and emails. So you know what's going on. So I walk in, I, I want to order. I get a notice when... You start to print. Yep. I get a notice when. Keep going me through that. Well, Just well your the, differentiation. Sure. Well, no, you come in and uh, you start an order with us. You get a text message, right? The text message confirms the due date that you just set. It confirms how many pieces. It confirmed your order total. And then throughout the process, when we get a design done, you get a text message with a link that has an approval form. And the approval form shows the design we've created for you based on the details you gave. It gives you, again, the, the deadline of the order, so you have an opportunity to change it if necessary. It gives you the total uh, pieces of, of items we're going to be printing for you. And when you, when you confirm everything uh, and or personalizations, right, like maybe you're yep. going to do a bowling shirt and everyone has personalized backs. So it shows all that stuff. You easily approve it from your phone. And then once it's approved, we print it. And as soon as it's uh, going to the printing process and done, you get text messages along the way. So Did you, did you build a system? I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you built it 
uh, partly for the customer, but more because it makes you 10 times more efficient and way less mess ups, right? I mean, you built it for you. You built that for you <laughs> yeah. and, just oh, yeah. and made it work for the customer. That's an awesome system. No, yeah, no, here's, here's the deal. Every business that we build, every business that I want to be involved in is like, it's my wet dream of a business. It is like if if I if I want a business PG thirteen. <laughs> no, that, that's PG thirteen. <laughs> if I want a business, I am going to do it to the specs that I would actually want if I was a customer. And I think that's how it should be. As a business owner, I want to um, I want to shock and awe and please and uh, just leave people super impressed when whenever they work with us on any business we do. There's a generational gap. Uh, yeah. with with yeah. that type of uh, format and 100%. that type of business model. Um, are you adaptable to maybe some other people? Will uh, somebody in your business help somebody do the phone stuff? Yeah, it, it has been interesting because we do have to, we build this really technologically advanced interface and then we have to back off and we, we have to choose an option now that says uh, doesn't text, doesn't email, has a phone to call. And, and so we have to literally call them when an order is ready to be approved. And it's not that big of an issue. It's just like another additional piece to our flow. Sure. And in locally, it works really great. People just stop in and it's, it's like perfect. But if we're going national, which we are, we're expanding nationally, then um, we can't have that. That's not... Can- Let's go to there. Where walk us? Where are you at in that process? Where are we? Yeah. Well, we we own the federal trademark for twenty four hour teas, and we are um, we're expanding to print and fulfill orders, custom orders of any size, all over the nation. And it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. I'm gonna go out on a limb. Yeah. Um, you were international when you started. Yeah. <laughs> and you so like you've you're always been. Some clout. No, you're actually, you're <laughs> yeah. actually downsizing. You're actually. But uh, okay. In order to do that, right? In order to 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 go national uh, from your international business, you're going to have to have more printing presses, right? Yeah, we're going to have to have more of everything. But you know, the, and more people to it's, help. Yeah, it, I don't. I don't view this life as a laborious sort of um, stressful thing. I view it as a game, and I mean that's kind of what it is. Is um, if we can wake up in a day and we can recognize five problems and we we build five solutions to those problems and we can implement one of them today, um, we are that much better every single day. And that's kind of what our team is about. We have a we have a really interesting company culture and that culture is about progression. And we do not complacency and comfort is not a place in our businesses. It's all about you got to be comfortable with adapting. And that's uh, it's built a really interesting team of people that are very dynamic and have great brains. And you started something else I've, I've seen online uh, called Nest. Yeah. What's Nest? Tell me about Nest. Well, so so Nest is kind of a general thing. We have uh, we have some specific things. We have Nest Work, which is uh, our co-working space that we're building in downtown Kearney, right southeast of Cunningham's. Um, and at that co-working idea is really just um it's it's the idea that we're we're no longer in a day and age where someone wants to pay fourteen hundred dollars for an office space and then also maintain it and then also pay the utilities that's kind of like an old school mindset and so we are we're doing the shared collaborative work environment so we're going to have some micro offices where people can actually rent a small office and keep their stuff but for the vast majority it's a 24-hour access productivity zone so if someone wants to get away from their house, if they're a remote worker or a freelancer, um, or they're a business owner, an entrepreneur, they can just get away from their house, pop in our space, um, work to their heart's content. It's library rules. You don't bug anyone. Um, if you want to communicate with someone, you do it digitally. And then uh, you guys can go and have a conversation on your own. We also 
have a reservable conference room. So it allows a small business owner to bring potential investors or anything like that to um, a really professionally Make clean them look space. legit. Absolutely. Right. And that's the Don't point. Don't want to meet at Starbucks or, exactly. or somewhere else. You got to yeah. go somewhere. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's, again, you ask the question of what do I want in an office environment? It's to rub shoulders with people that are hungry. It is to have affordable office space. It's to have free coffee and tea all day long and to have good just general background tunes, right? And be able to be productive and work efficiently. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's what one. else? That, uh, that's Since one that, you're going international. Well, yeah, that's one of the Nest products. Uh, we're also testing out a, a meal prep service right now called Nest Prep. And that's a really interesting thing. We have a 17-year veteran chef from Denver. Uh, chef Cricket is her real name. Sure. And she... Um, was, that, was that at the Cherry Cricket? <clears throat> Was she, was she at the Cherry Cricket in Denver? I don't, I don't know where she was located in Denver. A, there's a really good restaurant called the Cherry Cricket. That's oh, okay. That's in, ironic. Yeah, Denver. Not a sponsor. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, yeah, the, the Nest Food. So this yeah. is like uh, Nest Prep. Nest yeah. Prep. So yeah. they prep all the food for me and then I go and make it at home? Yeah. The, the whole concept is, you know, as, a, as Americans, we uh, over half of us have food allergies. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. Sure. And we got to question some of that stuff. So we are, we're kind of bringing it back to its roots. We understand that. Not everyone understands how to eat healthy. And if they try to eat healthy, they don't know how to cook. They're not a chef, so they don't know how to make it taste good. And so we're using 100% plant-based, preservative-free foods that uh, are made by a chef, custom ingredients, custom recipes. Um, So she is, uh, yeah, we're preparing the meals. And then we deliver, if someone orders for a week, we do a free delivery one day for four meals. And then maybe, are these like frozen things? No, they're fresh. So fresh. No, nothing's frozen. So it yet. goes in the fridge. Yep. And there are some meals that are okay to freeze and we, we identify that, but we're, we're in the testing phase right now. Right. We're not an official business. So, but the, it's really interesting. Our tests have gone remarkable. People are, uh, they're receiving it really well and they're excited about this being a potential for food for America. One of our, one of our big things, my wife and I did the first test and the second and the first test at the end of it, we're like, we never want to cook again. Yeah. We recognize how much time we got back. We didn't have to actually prepare the meals because not only do you have to cut the meals or cut the vegetables and do everything, but you have to then wash the dishes and you have to choose between spending time with your family and uh, cooking. Yeah. And this takes that away. So um, there's so many things in our life that it's all about social. It's all about the more that participate in our businesses, um, the better it is for everybody. And that's, uh, I love that. Chase, you're an idea, man. Oh, yeah. Fair? Sure, yeah. Because I've heard, we've been talking to you for probably 20 minutes, and I think there's at least four <laughs> or five businesses in there, right? Yeah, well, and all this during his nap time. Yeah. All, all this during <laughs> siesta time. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, let's, let's bring it all full circle. We yeah. all love Carney. What makes Carney great? Why, why is Carney unique, and why does mm. Carney support your businesses and nonprofits? What makes Carney a great place to... Um, do what you do. Uh, why, why, Bill? Welcome back. But I mean, like, what, what, what how does that work? Well, Carney is, it, it's not the location, it's not the geography, it's, it's people. Mm. People. Yeah. The most important thing in life is relationships, and it's the relationships that we have with other people. And the people of Carney are great, they're warm, they're welcoming, they're supportive. Um, I think that the people here love one another and they serve one another and they lock arms together, they work together, and they, um, we, we roll up our sleeves together and we do life together. Yeah, and when bad things happen, people step up Absolutely. to help. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, Chase, what do you got? No, I, I think very, I mean, you, you hit it, you hit it. But it's, um, 
whenever whenever something bad happens, like the recent flood, um, time doesn't exist. Yeah, but oh, there yeah, was right. a flood in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, whatever Go ahead. year this is, um, we um, we're we're one of the people that would say, you know what, we're going to do our best to help. So we built a small application to help those in need fill out a form, and then we connected them with people that are willing to give. And it was our own thing outside of all nonprofits. Right. And it, it was it worked really well. Like 50-some people got served that they wouldn't have gotten served otherwise. And I think that's a great example of it is that everyone is willing to go above and beyond um, to help others. And I, I, love, I love that a lot. I think that's one of the major factors. What can Carney do better? Anything? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, I think that uh, often we'll ask. I just heard this last week. Someone said uh, um, the question is often, what can you do? And it's not what can you do. It's what will you do? Yeah. Um, um, and so I think that's the thing. What will you do? What can? What will each one of us do to make Carney better, to engage with one another, to make someone else's life better, to serve um, to serve our our you know, our neighbors, the people we're with in this community, what are we going to do to make things a little better chase? Yeah. I think, I think this comes back to, this is the only part of Carney that makes me kind of like, um, it like feel weird, like jittery is I'm not good with comfort and complacent complacency. And, um, I think too often people in Carney get comfortable and they get comfortable in the things have always been this way. Things will always build, be this way. And that is a dangerous mindset. It's dangerous because you look at you look at cities like Grand Island. Um, Grand Island thought that until their downtown died. And then their downtown died, and then what happened? Then they went full revamp. They went 100, 180 degrees different and said, what can we do to be the best versions of us? Or what will they yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And right now, right now, I think every city in America, especially Kearney, should be asking, uh, what is Carney missing, and what can I do to help bring that here? Because it because it, it's going to be too late. And obviously, you're trying to answer those questions with what you're doing. I mean, that's that's what you think Carney's missing, and and what you're trying to do to to bring it down. The, now, may I suggest something, please? And I'm not trying to be argumentative, but maybe there's room in a community and a society for both, mm-hmm. and maybe both are important. Maybe there is stuff that does need to stay the same that mm. keeps it great. And there is an area where you can keep pushing the envelope a little bit. And maybe those two things together are part of what makes Carney great. Because we get we get how many kids? Uh, a, a thousand kids every year come into Carney to learn to fall in love with it at mm. UNK, right? Mm. And it's fresh blood and they experience new things and they, they provide a vitality to this community that I think um, isn't in a lot of other communities. Mm-hmm. And then there's things that have always been that way that uh, are still supported and and still important. And I think that the, both of those things are, are important. Tony, you're contemplative. No, no, I was just I, I've enjoyed this um, one the contrast between the two um, and the styles and just I'm trying to unpack a lot of stuff that we we went through today. Um, between we've got the relationship, we have the ideas, but we still have the relationship, and just. It was a deeper episode. Oh, hey, a deep one. It's our sixth one, so I hope it'd be deep. Okay, so here we go for a final question. Anything else we want to talk about? Why Carney's great? Got anything? Well, you know, you know, I, I want to. I do want to point out. I think that uh, Carney should have a, a basic sort of poll system. I, 
I have brought this up to the city, and I think this is uh, this is something that should exist. Is there should be a place where people can go to a forum and say what I love about the city, and then what I think things should change. And a those, suggestion uh, box, sure, sure, Com- a comment Abs- box on absolutely. Facebook. Sorry, that's absolutely. a traditional response. No, ab- absolutely. <laughs> and then and then I think that this thing should be able to be voted on by the public because oh, the, because yeah, like the, a referendum. Yeah, because the reality is, if uh, if fifty one percent of the city doesn't want something to change, then it should stay exactly as it is, right? But yeah. if but if if 75% thinks it does, but the city leadership doesn't, that's not right. Well, and, and, and Chase, what I'd say is that there are mechanisms, traditional mechanisms right. in the law and tradition to do that. Yeah, they're slow. Hey, we're fighting. Yeah. Not as fast as you, but that's good. That, that Hey, this is this is how it works. So let's play Would You Rather. Why not? Are we good with that? All right, Bill, we're, we're going to go for our, our, our final question for the Would You Rather. Are you... Are you siesting? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, that's good. Okay. For the rest of your life, Mm. you have to have a sailboat as your home, or you have to have an RV as your home. Um, And don't answer. Ask as many questions as you want. And then when I close the floor for questions, you can give your answer. So is it a sailboat for your home for the rest of your life, or is it an RV for your home for the rest of your life? Can the floor dic- is now open for questions. Can you dictate size? Give yeah. me. Are you yes. going yep. same size? Are you going? I can make a yacht. You can make a yacht. Oh, okay. So size, we could size is your. You relevant. can get a tour bus. It's just whether you want to live on land or in water. The question calls okay. for okay. Uh, that you asked me is okay. yes, it can be any size. Can okay. can your RV uh, go overseas on on no. some sort of a ship? It's Landlocked. Stuck. Okay. All right. Hmm. Bill, nothing? No questions? Um, can your Chase. RV have uh, the idea, al- alternative power? Or does it have to use uh, it's petroleum? It's a diesel. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Both of them are diesel. Well, sailboats, not. That's wind. Nope. Uh, this sailboat is... <laughs> <laughs> Both of them are not diesel. <laughs> it has holes in the sails. It's just for show. Oh, wow. It, it's, uh, it's an Exxon special okay. All right. uh, sailboat that, okay. that runs on diesel gasoline. <laughs> Um, uh, how many foster kids can you fit in each one? Yeah, uh, it depends on the size of your uh, heart. How's that? Great answer. Thank you. Bill's car, RV's a mile long. <laughs> and if, yeah. you want, if you want to answer, you have to say we're done so he can okay. close the floor. We're done. His rules. We're done. I know that they're silly rules. This game never works, but I almost am getting to the point that I love that it never works. Actually, that was the best it's ever worked, though. I did. Yeah, Chase, thank you. Yeah. Idea guy giving me ideas. This is good. Okay. Uh, the floor is now closed for questions. Bill Williams, um, what do you live in? I live in an RV. RV. Wonderful. Uh, to your left, Chase Meyer. Oh, what do you live in? Yeah, I live in a yacht for sure. A massive, massive yacht. Uh, to my left, Tony. <laughs> no, you can't get to Thailand if you're not in a yacht. Uh, to, to your left, Tony. I'm going to the yacht. You're going with the yacht? I know. I I'm going with the you yacht. You can listen to country music on a yacht. It's all I right. won't listen to country music, and you know I won't listen to a certain type of country music either because we already had this discussion. What was the discussion? You Female know, country it. Nope, we're oh, in it. I forgot. Hey, I want to thank you guys. Thank you. This That's was awesome. uh, absolutely. This was interesting. Yeah, we had just some contrast. It wasn't fun. It was interesting. No, it was fun. I, I want to hang out with Bill more. That's hey, what I that's great. Yeah. If you want to hang try, out with Chase, you got to yeah, run. Good. You got to try to catch him though. Well, I need. His, I need a seventy fifth marathon. Yeah, I need to work. Oh, we didn't even talk about good. that. Yeah, he's going for a seventy fifth one. It really okay. doesn't surprise me. The guy looks fit. If you see Bill running around, you know why. You know, uh, just ask him. Hey, what marathon you on? You can see him at the store. 
Is that what you want, Bill? And bring and oh, no? and bring, okay, bring a hundred thousand dollar check with you when you. <laughs> That's do right. Show. There you go. That's right. Well, thank you very much. This is another episode of Carney Pie. Uh, it's a he he do it production. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll be on to the next one shortly. 